Hi everyone, David here. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Foresight Climate and Energy. If you like what you hear and want access to more of our fascinating in-depth content on the energy transition, you need to subscribe. You can try us for 30 days for just €29, which will get you full access to our website and app. We also have a wide range of subscription packages to fit you or your company's needs. Follow the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe to find out more. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Energy Enablers. In this podcast, we want to talk to those making a difference every day in the energy transition. I'm your host, David Weston, and my guest this week is Vigo Irvang, Vice President of Power Solutions at Danish renewables developer Better Energy. In today's show, we discuss power prices, the effects of renewables on those prices, and the future of the energy market. Vigo calls for greater transparency and involvement across the entire value chain from producer to prosumer, so everyone can take advantage of the low prices when they are available. I hope you enjoy the show. Vigo, thank you so much for joining us on the Energy Enablers today. I wanted to get a little bit of your point of view on energy pricing and electricity prices more specifically. We see renewable energy capacity is increasing around the world, uh, but also more recently, so are our electricity bills. And new renewables do not necessarily cause bills to rise. So why are they? And why aren't renewables helping to suppress energy bills? First of all, I, w- I would say renewables are helping to uh, decrease energy bills. Uh, you can say the problem right now is that we have not yet succeeded in the full green transition. Um because the problem is not renewables as, 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 as I see it. The problem is that we are, are having a very uh, imbalanced power systems in, in many markets. So we are still very much dependent on coal, gas and oil. And, and the case that we saw back in 2022 and, and still see it, uh, for some times is that, that, that the prices for those, uh, fossil fuels, uh, has increased and thereby uh, the, the market price has increased. So you could say, from my point of view, renewables are helping to decrease the price, but we have not succeeded in the green transition yet. The market is inflexible. Uh, because let's say, uh, if you look at the hourly prices in, in some days, and if you look at uh, Holland, for instance, uh, the Netherlands, then, then you have very low prices. You even have negative prices when we have a lot of renewables. But we then also have very high prices when we don't have sufficient renewables. So what is causing the prices to stay quite high generally across the board over over maybe a year average? As you say, we do see some dips across markets, but on the whole, electricity prices have gone up over the past 12 months. It's, it's still the problem is that, that there are some... Uh, uh, I need to say it's not a problem that the market is marginal priced, but the mm. market is marginal priced. So when all when all at all times when the market is marginal priced based on a coal, gas, uh, or even an oil plant, then the market price is high. Uh, if we had sufficient enough uh, renewables, mm. then the market marginal price would be much lower. Mm. So how low can electricity prices go, especially as renewables? increase their share uh, on the market? Or are we get, are still going to see high electricity prices while there's still fossil fuels on the grid? I think we need to to, to look a bit uh, differently now on, on electricity prices. We need to look at it on an hourly basis because right. we need to be uh, aware that the market is uh, 
we are in an imbalance. So at times, when you look at prices the coming weekend in Denmark, for instance, we're going to have low prices during the whole weekend because there's enough uh, there's enough renewable and we will have even have negative prices. We saw it uh, in Holland, again, mm. uh, many hours being negative. So, so the, the question, how low can they go? They can go negative. We have seen it, but it's only in hours. Mm. So, so you cannot say that the prices will go very uh, uh, much lower than the average price. Uh, you still have rather high average prices due to the fossil fuels. But sure. the, 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 the answer is that, of course, they can go very low. They can go to negative. Is that damaging the power sector, having the negative pricing? Uh, no, uh, it's not. Uh, not yet, at least. Uh, uh, if there is not enough consumers coming into the market and uh, exploiting those negative prices, then we will have a damaged energy sector. But but for now, it's a price signal, and mm. someone needs to exploit that price signal. So 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 for now, no. But but we are of course uh, developers like us. We are of course very much aware mm. of the risk of having negative prices, and we are acting upon it. But we need the consumers to be better at acting on it. When you say someone needs to act on it, it needs to come from the demand side of the. Yes. In what way? In, in general, we need to, to to look at the power market in another way because earlier we were just planning the production based on the consumption. Hmm. Now we need to plan the consumption based on production. And I know listeners here will say that's not possible. And I know it is not possible today, but there's no other way around it. The, the renewables we have are sufficiently uh, low in uh, LCOE to create a, a, a low and stable uh, power supply. But we need the consumers to be able to, uh, to consume the power hmm. when it's there. And when it's the greenest, because then it's also uh, with the lowest price. Hmm. So that's where things like uh, heat pumps and EVs are going to come in and building controls and being able to set your timer to charge a car at 2 to 4 a.m., that sort of thing? That's the that's the first line. We need to do that. And I think that's already happening today. Uh, we see cons- consumption increasing I saw uh, numbers for July where uh, on Sundays that the, uh, when we had negative prices, uh, the consumption increased. I, I don't know exactly why, but we just saw uh, an increase in consumption. I believe that's, for instance, EVs. That's happening already today, right. but it's not nearly enough because you cannot balance a system based on heat pumps, EVs, uh, charging, consuming. We need bigger facilities consuming uh, power, being able to go up and down in, in consumption. As we have with, with the big uh, production units today, we need to have big consumption units being able to... Is there a risk that prices on average could go so low that in investments either in new capacity or even in grids become impossible? Yes, of course. Uh, I think we're already seeing it in, in, in some markets that the prices, the price forecasts are so low that uh, some renewable projects are being either postponed or, or, or cancelled. So, so of course, yes. That, and that's going to that, put the energy transition at risk. Um, it, it's it's going to, it's of course, it's putting it at risk, but I just think that it's maybe it's just postponing something. Because uh, you could put it the other way. What if then consumption comes in? Mm. Then you'll just have a 
you'll have these bumps. When right now we have negative prices, low prices in some uh, hours. When then the consumption comes in, then we'll balance it uh, even more. <coughs> Sorry. I, th- I think in general, we, we just need to be better to, to speak to each other. We need to be better at balancing when does consumption comes in, when does production uh, comes in. We need to build these things together. Mm. Because, yes, when if market price gets too low, we'll uh, stop investing. Uh, but then consumption comes in, and then we'll start investing again. Absolutely. So how do we improve that uh, visibility and that communication between the generators and the grid side of things and the demand side? Oh, this is the very big and very good question here. Uh, first of all, I'll say I, I really don't know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but but let's let's try and find an answer to that. Uh, I would say transparency and visibility in, in projects from both uh, the, the, the generators and, and the consumers. And, and then, of course, also having uh, uh, governments around the world finding ways to to get that consumption in and making those uh, business cases more uh, attractive for for, Mm. for the consumption side. We need, basically, we need transparency in when and which uh, projects are in the market. Mm. So is there a case perhaps for a a cap and floor electricity market so that prices remain stable within a given range and then uh, generators know how much they're going to receive for a project and customers know much how much they're going to pay for their electricity? uh, It it, it sounds appealing to some extent to have a system like that. But uh, if if you look at what happened uh, in the energy crisis when it was uh, very dramatic in in the autumn of, of 2022, Governments coming in, price caps coming in, um, were they efficient? Um, I, I I don't know the exact answer to that, but but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, we we spend a lot of time uh, on on looking at that model and finding ways to to act upon it, and at the end, it, it, the market solved itself. So I I don't think we should uh, have any uh, price and cap uh, well, price caps price floors. Again, we need the mark. We need to be better at, at at being flexible in production and consumption and speaking to each other because then we'll balance it and then it, it, the market will solve it by itself. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So the market the market will balance itself out eventually as electrification grows and as more renewables become on the grid and grid operators become better at managing those assets. Uh, exactly. I, I totally agree. Uh, and being better to manage those assets and being better to incentivize. Uh, those assets in being the f- in in how to say it, delivering the f- the needed flexibility mm. because it it it's of course not a good idea uh, to be very flexible in if you have uh, power prices that are uh, negative but what if you then pay a high grid tariff for instance you you need this whole system to change it needs to be more flexible mm. because again it's about price signals you're you're asking a question on. Uh, caps and floors, but it's basically price signals. Yeah. So as, as long as we all act based on price signals, mm. the market needs to solve itself. Maybe, maybe it's naive, but 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 but, but there's, I don't I just don't think there's any other way around it. But what about say you know that's all very well you and I kind of understand price signals and what that means for how we use our EVs and our heat pumps, but for perhaps the more general public, 
they they just want you know they just want their lights to switch on at a certain time when they want them they just want their heating to kick in at a certain time when it gets cold how do we get that message across to the wider public that if we don't do this that if we don't act uh, upon this then we can't solve the problem we we need uh, if the green transition are to succeed i i can't see any other way than then we all need to uh, chip in and, and mm. being flexible in our consumption. And of course, it's not all consumption that's possible to, to be flexible, but it's just, you know, the, the way you, you, mm. you say it here that no, we don't want to be flexible because we just want uh, power uh, when we need it. Um, but then it's going to be very expensive. That's one thing. But on the other hand, then you can't solve it. Uh, you can't solve the green, uh, transition. Absolutely. What about the impacts of the PPA market and how that's happening on electricity prices? We're talking about hourly pricing and pricing to the minute, but PPAs uh, kind of lock in long-term contracts so people are aware of how much they're going to pay on their electricity over a five-year, 10-year period. What impact is uh, is that market having on perhaps short-term electricity markets? The short-term electricity market is always about supply and demand. Right. You could say that's also on the long-term, but in the long-term, there's more... Uh, uh, psychology behind it. But if you look at a PPA, a PPA makes sure that a new renewable asset comes in, a brand new renewable asset comes in, maybe in, let's say, two years' time. When we do a PPA, uh, then in about yeah, two years' time, a new asset comes into the system. And at that point, when that new uh, asset, CODs, uh, becomes commercial operation, then that asset is helping to uh, lower the price. So PPAs, from our point of view, helps uh, decrease the price, but not in the very short term, but when the, when the asset uh, is operational. So PPAs helps to get more assets into the system and thereby leading to, to lower prices. Right. But as our developers and generators, they're going to want to find PPAs because then they know they've got a 10-year contract for their power. Does that mean the liquidity and the flexibility within the short-term market might reduce? You, you, you could argue that that, uh, that if you look at, uh, not on the short-term market, because there's, it's still the, 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 the spot markets in all right. markets is supply and demand and what mm. de- demand and what supply is there in that given hour. So that's not affected uh, okay. by the PPAs. You could say, that the PPAs are affecting the forward market. Because when we do, uh, or if anyone does uh, a 10-year a, a forward contract, then of course that uh, volume is, is not being traded uh, in the forward market. But again, you need to look at, at this is a 10-year, for instance, it could a PPA could be a 10-year tenor. It could also be a five-year, seven-year or shorter. Mm. Uh, and, and the forward market is has many years not been liquid enough uh, in that long-term market. So I, it's it's not to, to compare one-to-one, but there's no doubt that PPAs are affecting the forward market, but, but, but not the spot market as I see it. Hi, everyone. Me again. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. It really helps us out, means we can make more shows like this, and means more people can find us. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to Foresight Climate and Energy so you don't miss out on any of our other podcasts or long-form journalism. 
head to the link in the show notes or go to www.foresightdk.com forward slash subscribe. So what about uh, companies that are aiming to be, uh, they're looking at 24-7 low-carbon electricity? You know, the people, they're starting out with the Googles and the, and the big energy players at the minute, but it's obviously hopefully going to trickle down. These companies say that they're 100% powered by renewables, but obviously maybe that's only covering 70% of their demand given the fluctuations of power during a given day, for example. So could we see hourly-based PPAs becoming more of a, a thing within the market? and and how do companies that want to be sure that they are securing 100% green electricity at their point of use are able to do that? Let, let's be honest and say that, that that needs to then they need to be very flexible. Again, coming back to that flexibility sure. in the consumption side, because we're not able to uh, yet to uh, to store uh, our renewables in 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 a sufficient uh, in sufficient volumes or capacity, so to say. Uh, of course. Many are looking into storage um, that will come into play, but 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 it still needs to be the, the the consumption side. Being that flexible, mentioning a data center that that might be able to switch uh, consumption from one country to another, uh, very uh, smart uh, way to do that. Um, but it needs to be the consumption side because for for now, of course, it's not possible to uh, to store. Hmm. So that is that going to help with the grid in the future? Uh, much more storage? Do we need to see a lot more storage on the grid? Or can the demand so. yeah. flexibility yeah. help? Oh, uh, I would hope that the demand, but, but I, I think that that might also be a bit uh, naive, be a bit of both. Uh, right? Yeah. What do you say? It's got to be a bit of both. We need to see yeah, a bit it more. Needs to be, again, coming back to this uh, transparency to, yeah. uh, debate about consumption, production, uh, talking to each other and finding solutions into mm. this. Because there is an imbalance and it needs to be solved. And it's not to say that it needs to be the renewable to store and it's not the consumption side. And it, we, we, it's, it needs to be a bit of both. Mm. Uh, and, and we need to find uh, models, setups uh, that makes this, uh, that's incentivizing uh, models like that, models like, uh, like this. So there are obviously quite a lot of influences in the, in the price crisis, energy crisis that we saw last year, the Russian aggression in the Ukraine. Um, there's probably still uh, a knock-on effects from the pandemic from the years before that. But are we still likely to see sudden price spikes such as those that happened in 2022 happen again? And even in a, in a high or even fully uh, low-carbon electricity network? Uh, you could say that as long as we don't have a fully... Uh, carbon neutral as long as we still have uh, some fossil fuels i would uh, say uh, very uh, as an actual problem right now if you're to ensure that that we don't have uh, sudden price spikes you need to ensure Mm. uh, peace in the world to be honest Uh, and that's a bit uh, difficult uh, at the moment but 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 you also need to avoid big global pandemics and 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 at the end, if you're looking, for instance, at the Nordics, you also need to be able to avoid uh, drought in uh, in Norway. Mm. Um, so just saying that that uh, either way, when you have a system that is based on different production sources, th- then you will have price spikes. Okay. You need to be aware that we will have uh, price spikes. Uh, I, I can't see a future uh, if we saw the green transition and end up in a 100% renewable uh, system, then you might be able to avoid those price spikes, but, but not until then. 
There you go. Thank you so much. That was a really interesting journey through uh, electricity pricing there and what needs to happen in order to avoid such price spikes that we saw. I'd be interested to learn a little bit about your background. Did you always want to work in the energy sector? Uh, no. Uh, it was not a, I don't know, a, a goal. Um, I think, the, what was it, 22 uh, years ago, um, I got a job uh, in the energy market and, uh, yeah, just got uh, just got uh, very interesting. Uh, what were you doing before then? Uh, I was working. Uh, I was actually working in the telecom industry <laughs> for uh, yeah for three or four years. But it was when the telecom industry was being de deliberalized uh, back then. I was uh, I was working with that. Uh, I was working with sales in in the telecom industry and then switching to to the energy uh, industry. Yeah, you're not the first guest on the energy enablers that has moved into the electricity market from the, the telecommunications uh, uh-huh. sector. Uh, that seems to be quite a common theme. There's obviously quite a lot of crossover and a lot of lessons from both sectors that you can you can take forward. Yeah, especially in, in from when when being from the from the commercial side back then, there was uh, some comparison in in this de-liberalization uh, of of the market. That uh, I think that was what interested me uh, at the first. But then the the energy market just uh, it grew it, it grows on you mm. as uh, as I normally say. Do you think we could see a similar sort of liberalisation of the energy market that we saw in tele- telecommunications? Uh, I, I would say we we don't, we have that to some extent uh, already. Uh, right. But of course, you will never have a, a setup where there's uh, different grids. It, it it just doesn't make sense. Uh, sure. That uh, hopefully we will never see situation like that. <laughs> we, we like that. We we need stable grids uh, in, in in the energy market. So what was it about energy markets that really appealed? Uh, and, and basically, basically that we could end up having discussions like we have here uh, mm. because the, it it is changing. The, the discussion we have now, the the solution we are discussing now. Uh, we didn't discuss that five years ago. We tried to discuss it three years ago, but but uh, not possible. Uh, it, it's just a rapid change, uh, both from day to day, mm. but also from from year to year. Um, and of course, now it's uh, very interesting to try uh, to to do an impact. Uh, on on the green transition. Mm. Yeah, was, that was my next question. Has has the uh, impact of decarbonization has the the desire to decarbonize grown in your time uh, working in the energy markets or was that always a motivation my children might be listening to this so i mm-hmm. should say yes it's always been a motivation uh, <laughs> but uh, let's be honest no uh, that that changed I, I can't remember when but it changed maybe what uh, five seven years ago mm. but for the first many years uh, this was about uh, markets going up and down trying to find solutions for for for, for commercial aspects for customers mm. uh, um, so so no uh, it's 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 in the recent years that that has become the the most important mm. So what's the one thing that we need to see then in uh, that you'd like to see in the electricity markets? Um, there was obviously a lot of big debate around electricity market design during the crisis um, and, and ways we could possibly change it to, to stop it from happening again. What's the one thing that perhaps you'd like to see happen in the next five, 10 years to really help drive the energy markets towards a net zero economy as well? One thing, flexibility needs to be incentivized. Uh, it is the one thing 
that we need, and and it's 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 just more important. And yeah, of course we need grit. Of course we need uh, assets. We need more renewables, but we need flexibility because we are in we are uh, inflexible. Uh, so it needs to be so that anyone investing in being flexible, anyone uh, trying to solve that issue, should uh, hopefully gain. So uh, yeah, saying that that mm. if if uh, if we talk uh, in, in in five years and 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 we all think that that the winner is the flexible asset, whatever its consumption, production, whatever it is, um, then I will be happy. Does that come from regulation? Does that come from grid operators? Does that come from utilities? A big combination. Uh, it, it of course we 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 can't uh, say that that regulation uh, should solve it all. It should help. Uh, we cannot solve it all. We should help. Uh, the consumption side needs to help. Uh, we need to to combine efforts uh, and work together in, in solving this issue. It's not possible to solve from from the one side. Absolutely, Vigo. Thank you so much. One last question that I ask all of our guests on energy enablers is: uh, Will the energy transition succeed? Yes. That's is is that the is that the answer everybody gives or is it uh, is it a bit longer? I can, <laughs> of course, I can I can elaborate. But yes, of course, it it, it, it because it, it needs to. Mm. It's it's it, this is not a uh, let's do it, let's try, let's see if it works. Let's 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 uh, yeah, let's. It's not a let's try. That this is mandatory. We we need to do this. Uh, the we we have a crisis in in. in in the environment, so so if if we don't succeed, it's so basically I need to say yes because it's not an option. Hmm. It's just whether it will succeed in time. Exactly, that's that's the big question. Um, I'm uh, honestly not uh, wise enough to answer that question. <laughs> I, I need I need to say yes, but but we but we are in a hurry. I think we are in a much more hurry than we think. Uh, I see numbers uh, every day. Again, I'm, I'm not. Uh, it is absolutely not my speciality. But but uh, looking at reports as, as stating uh, the state of the climate, uh, I don't like to read those. Um, so I think we are in a much more hurry than we expect. But I do also think that we can solve it because people are, are looking into this. Uh, so it's not only about making renewables, it's also about making solutions that are flexible. So it's 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 the whole way around. So I, I believe we can solve this. Vigo, thank you so much for your uh, time today. I really uh, enjoyed that conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Vigo, for joining me on the Energy Enablers. It was fascinating to hear his thoughts on how to finally unlock the low prices renewables should be able to offer us. But it was clear there was still a while to go before we can reach that point. We'll be back again soon with another energy enabler. In the meantime, please do check out the rest of our energy transition content over on www.foresightdk.com. Thank you for listening.